Welcome to another episode of the Principles of Podcast. My name is Christian Hill and my co-host is Todd Stice. And we are grateful that you're here today. The topic of today is when do you need to start just trusting God and quit thinking so much and just trust him. Enjoy this show. I think it's going to unlock a lot of different perspectives in your mind of truly what role Heavenly Father plays in your life and in your thoughts and how much you truly need to just trust him. Thank you so much for being here and I hope you enjoy the show. Been really thinking about like the idea of how complicated life can be. Like life is is the biggest mess that you make it. I mean, you have plenty of material to make a mess. It's like every ingredient to make a cake is literally late to not just make it, any any every ingredient to make any type of food is all on the table and you can use whatever you want. However, you can make the biggest mess on the planet earth because that's, that's where life is right now. We're distracted. We have access to any information we ever wanted. We, we have a thing now to where, and this is actually like new, new to our day and age to where we normally don't like, we normally analyze a problem, say like, Hey, this isn't working out for me. What can I do to make it better? Like, and we can strategize and create solutions to why things aren't working in the external world. Like, like, Hey, we're at work and we're, we're at McDonald's and we're working to produce hamburgers and something's not working and we come up with a solution and there it is. And it's better. That's typically been the psychology of most of us until recently and I don't know if it's the inundation of self-help books or what which I like but I think there's an unintended consequence of that where now we're trying to evaluate and fix how we think we're playing this game of how we fix things in the external world and we're trying to fix what's happening in our brains when you really can't control your thoughts like as far as you can't control what comes to the stage, what you do with it is totally under your control. But we try to like fix the unfixable. How do we stop it from even coming in? And we get fixated and then we feel like something's wrong with us. We're broken and it leads to depression, hopelessness, and all these other feelings. Like we're so psychologically attacked right now. Like our brains are so unhealthy. I think we're most people are not sleeping as much as they ought to, they're not eating as, you know, there's maybe exercise, maybe not, but we're so overly analytical about everything. We analyze everything and we, and when you analyze everything, it's the more of the critical brain, which always finds the problems. So you're always identifying the problem with your brain, problem with you, problem with your emotions, a problem with then you have all the problems of the external world because that's all we do all day long. There's no real reset. There's no real coming back to a basic fundamental principles or ideas of how to live life, right? We've complicated everything. 
and we're so broken and we're a mess and every, and then we look at other people and we're, we're told they're so fine, you know, even though they're not like lifting up the hood and seeing what's in the engine. Oh, they're just as broken as me, but that's not how we view things. Cause it, it doesn't justify how we then feel. If I feel like I'm a loser, for example, and something from the external world says, no, you're not a loser. You're pretty, you're pretty good to go. I will deny looking at that because it actually doesn't reinforce what I feel. I only pick up the things that reinforce how I feel. So then I only see the perfectly painted cars thinking, oh, they're so fast. They run perfectly. They never break down. Like we just, you know what I mean? Cause and then that, that yeah, you're deceiving actually, yourself. yeah, that actually feeds the exact thoughts that I, that I feel. It's, you know, going back to the car thing, you buy a red car of whatever it is. And all of a sudden you see a hundred of them. And you're like, yeah, I thought I was the only one that had a red. It's because our brains are meant or are, are, are fixated on justifying what we feel is real. And that is who we are. And, and we don't know how to fix that either. Like, so the problem, what happens is, is in these moments when we're trying to figure out if we need to protect ourselves, it creates these spikes of adrenaline that, that we need to, do we fight against this or do we run away from it or do we just freeze because we don't even know what to do with it? When we're, when the hormones are kicking like that, that, that the fight flight, that is like very heightened. You're very alert and awake in those moments. But if we never like get out of that, we get stuck and it's like a car and, the, and you're driving through the mud and you, your tires start spinning and you just keep your on the gas. There's no reverse. There's no backup. There's n- you can't get forward. So you're stuck. You just keep digging. In how many, the how many people do you know? That's how they view where they're at in life. I'm stuck. A lot. How many times have you felt stuck? You know, that's a very common feeling that we all have. And a part of it is the way that your brain is firing the fight or flight. And yet we all, there's almost nothing that actually threatens you physically. That, that, that should not be a feeling that we feel like there's tigers all over the place and that they could eat us. You know what I mean? That's, that's what that's for. Like we got to run from the tiger or we got to measure the tiger up and say, can I take him or can I, do I need to really run? We, that's not a real thing. So how, how, when it's working within us, it's a perceived reality. That's actually not even real. And so we're, we're doing it as if there's, we're living in a lion's den and every moment of every day, we feel like a, a lion can eat us. And that's not real, but that's how everyone feels. Mm -hmm. And it's because we're always overly criticizing and trying to somehow think about our imperfectness, how to fix it. (laughs) And we're fixating on our thoughts and all those things instead of like, okay, I have this thought. Now I have the decision, which is appropriate to throw it right off the stage. Okay. Instead of feeling terrible, the thought could ever enter your mind. 
you can't like again you're you're taking in the world it's you're not going to control that as much as you control how quickly you throw the dude off the stage or that thought off the stage right if you sit there and say "Mm, let's watch it dance and see what tricks it has you know that's when we get into trouble but eventually we just the you see the arm of the thought coming into the stage and you're like throwing it off and that's the goal it's not to ever not have that happen Mm -hmm. because you can't control that so i think we we fixate on the wrong things that can't be controlled and so everything feels out of control and there's no progress progress or forward movement and so i just kind of been thinking so having said all that that's the world we currently live in what's the solution or what's the message that allows us to move forward feel like progress is even at least hopeful you know we're stuck isn't the word it's delayed it's um on pause see those are not finite terms it still says i just push play and i'll move forward Mm -hmm. or i'm just delayed but i'm moving forward it's just i'm in line right now and then i'm gonna get there instead of i'm stuck and i'm hopeless and i don't know what to do there's just so many different variations of what would be better than stuck as the word stuck means damned when i think about that it's kind of like a you lack control but then if you take too much control you're still out of control because kind of the scenario that you're talking about is people are concerned about controlling what comes in their mind even though that's more of a you, you can't really control that unless you plug your ears and close your eyes and never go outside you know but even then <laughs> mm-hmm. but then but then determining at what point do you take control and have full control and then how do you take control yeah it's, it comes down to just really defining what is actually in reality your control yeah well it is in your control to take the thought and throw it out for example and so how how do you do that well i love elder bednar uh, two years ago when he spoke to all the young the young women's and young men's I, I, maybe the YSA was part of that I don't know but where he talked about how if you if you had a pepper shaker and you wanted to make it a salt shaker how do you do that well you it's one salt grain at a time and it forces the pepper out one grain at a time and eventually it'll be a salt shaker you just got to put salt in it. And there's only a limited amount of space in that salt shaker. And so something has to go. So you just keep forcing salt. And eventually one day it will be a salt shaker and it will not be a pepper shaker. The pepper being like the, the bad behaviors or thoughts or whatever that come into your mind. Um, so I think, so what, what is under your control? Well, what you do with your thoughts and emotions are within your control. The emotion that you immediately feel, maybe not in your control, not at least now. I think you can eventually, by your thoughts and what you do with those, it can mitigate your emotions and where you're at. Like you don't have to be, Gandhi wasn't just super infuriated and decided to self-control. At some point he probably did though. Because he couldn't control the what is immediate heartfelt. I'm being under, I'm under attack. And then him being able to realize, no, that's not reality. I'm not. 
relax. And eventually that muscle was strong enough to where he didn't have to emotionally fill with what he was perceiving from the world per se, because that's what we can control. My question to you would be what percentage, uh, you probably won't know the answer, but what you think is what percentage of people that you talk to have these struggles and they can't find the solution, but yet they haven't even like read scriptures, say their prayers, like they don't have those basic habits going on. Um, yeah, that would be a hard one. I think cause there's so many variances of that. Like I think maybe 20% are feeling stuck and they don't read the script. You know, they don't do any of those things that are going to give them that. I think the bulk of them were so impatient that they do it and then it's not happening. And so then they give up on it, you know, and that's where it kind of comes down to, are we doing the scriptures to receive an answer? Are we reading, are we saying prayer just to get what we're asking for? Yeah. But there's no enduring faith. Well, there's just no trust. Yeah. There's no faith and there's no trust. There's no like, what's the real purpose we're here. Yeah. Because it's definitely not to get that job. It's not why you showed up to this planet is to yeah. do that thing that you're asking for incessantly in every prayer. And the only, the whole prayer is 90% of that begging of that relief or that thing. And it just, it's Satan's tool to distract you from a, you know, what it really it means to be here and live here. Like yeah. what it, what it, the why of, yeah. All of it. I lost. I think it's, that's interesting as well because when our mind gets so critical, we magnify the significance of imperfect imperfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then we diminish like all the good things, which like when I think about myself and I self-reflect, like not that I'm like full of myself, but there's times where I know a hundred percent I screwed up, screwed up. Right. And then that becomes like, the thought all day long, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Right. It just consumes me. But that doesn't mean that none of the other, like all the good things disappeared. Right. And, and I know like I, I'm a good person. Like I, I am capable of a lot of different things. Right. I have talents that God has given me. Right. But as soon as I make one mistake, sometimes I just get so critical with myself that all those things are just gone. Mm-hmm. Right. When really like the imperfection was really just kind of like 1% of the whole yeah right and it and it, and it kind of the scenario goes both ways too like how we perceive others then gets mingled into this to where you have someone that thinks they're all that in a bag of chips you don't know really what they're thinking but you're perceiving the situation that way and the only desire you have is to point them out that they're not perfect yeah so you want to show them the one percent <laughs> so it's like this ego game that we play yeah. right like and then for us, we tear ourselves down for the 1% and we don't, so it's, it's either, why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't it just be, gosh, we're all having this experience and we're so all in this together and we're so all really truly brothers and sisters from the same God. Like he loves us all the exact same, which is perfect. It doesn't get any better than that. And we all are promised exactly the same thing based on our obedience regardless of what you perceive. That's the reality of that when we can have the faith, right? So then it comes down to, okay, so why am I really here? Here to prove myself. 
that I love God and I'm willing to do his will. That even though I have all my agency, I choose God. Mm-hmm. I choose to read the scriptures instead of doing this. But I also choose the savior, which means I know I will mess up, but thank goodness I have a savior. And I, and I want to be grateful for him when I'm doing good and when I'm not doing good, right? Like not just grateful for him when we sin, but like you're living in this, this idea that grace is the, such a great gift that we all live with. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, if I think of that, I think when I'm truly connecting with that purpose, now I'm talking to that loving Heavenly Father. I'm not just praying. I'm communicating with that loving. I just think having that purpose, I just, I even speak differently. I share differently. I, so it comes back to like not a checklist. It's really prayer is the most critical gosh it's the most relationship building thing that we could possibly do it's above scriptures because the only way we're going to know the scriptures too right like we we got to pray and ask god and in order to know that joseph smith was a prophet of god oh we better pray and communicate with god if we want to know and overcome our doubt on any history in the church well let's pray and ask god i mean if I want to know if I'm going to take that job or not, I better pray and ask God, hey, someone blessing a healing, I'm going to be his voice, the power of God and the authority that he's given me through the priesthood mm-hmm. to perform that blessing. I am connecting with God through all the critical pieces of this life. Prayer, pretty dang important. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So a couple of words come to my mind. One is power. And then the second word is abide. And so the scripture that comes to my mind is I have this bookmarked. This scripture, I have it bookmarked as Taylor Talbot's scripture because she shared it with me. But it says, Ye cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time the design of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation. For after much tribulation come the blessings. Wherefore the day cometh that ye shall be crowned with much glory. The hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand. And so the two words that come to my mind is power and abide, like abide in me and I in you. So here's the background of my thoughts here is, is during on Thursday night at the addiction recovery class, um, the topic was honesty as well as trusting in God. And part of the, the process of that is recognizing that you as yourself are powerless to overcome your addiction or your, your trial, right? However, to actually overcome it requires power. It's just that we're inadequate and we don't have the power to do it. So then, so then how do we access the power that will actually change us so that we don't have those negative thoughts? We don't have such a critical mind and our heart isn't so set on finding the wrong with everyone around us, right? How, how do we actually access that power? Like what you're talking about prayer. And when I think about prayer is everyone knows it's not a checklist, right? It's not a shopping cart, you know, trying to get your stuff right. But like Bible dictionary talks about how it's, it's you are trying to become in line with God's will, right? Where your mind 
or his mind becomes your mind and you start to think the way that he thinks you start to become and emulate you know his very thoughts even though his thoughts are higher than your thoughts and his ways are higher than your ways but through prayer and connecting and becoming more like christ you're going to start thinking much different and it does take time to experience the power right not that god couldn't just you know snap and change you but still Mm -hmm. like what would be it wouldn't be worth it if it was just that way right no i like that power and abide like i mean that's the whole sacrament (laughs) the covenant we make remember him always yeah someone was talking telling me i i i want to i want to be able to do the good things on my own like i don't want i don't kind of almost like the idea of avoiding god's need like being so needy so to speak and being just so trying to separate you want to be independent (laughs) yeah kind of be like i want to be yeah independently good and i don't want to have to like kind of like they didn't say this but kind of like i don't i don't want to have to need god to be good or i i don't like that's they want to do it because they love god but they also want to feel like they are capable of something so in order to build confidence they wanted to know that it was also on their own that they did it and it was kind of bridging the gap of like well god doesn't move your arms and you're not going to get from a to b with god like he's not going to pick you up and put you there but why would you want to do anything in life without god I don't even want to test if I'm strong enough to do it without God. If God's, if I'm only doing 10% and it comes, I die and then we get review and it's like, there's only two steps, footsteps, two pair, uh, one pair of footprints in the sand my, during my whole lifetime. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, no, totally. That was God's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't think it was my own because I know I have, I can tell you, I have journal entries of how God has carried me in so many ways that I would never, in, I would never intuitively think, where was he? That was me the whole time? No way. If I saw one, one set, I would know it wasn't mine. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not trying to prove that those are mine and he didn't need to carry me that's my point. And I don't separate like only church meeting stuff. Like I have zero. It's like, I can't even, people don't even understand sometimes when I say this, but there is absolutely no transition from my church self and my business. self. just some vocabulary possibly, but not, I mean, what I'm thinking about, you know, I'm like, help me. (laughs) Like, hey, what should we do? What topics would be most meaningful if we were to do an internal podcast at our home? And I'm sitting there saying, Heavenly Father, you know all these people. Like, what would be most meaningful for them? What would add value to them? if I'm coming from that place of God connecting to me to help me be good at that job or what I'm doing, that's perfect. I would never want to go without him. But that, cause I see that as such a power thing for me. It's like my biggest confidence. 
yeah, I can do anything because I got God on my side. Thank goodness I know how to communicate with him. I have prayer. I can do it all the time, anytime, whenever, wherever. That, I can't get any of my mentors whenever, who, who just wherever. I got God who's all powerful. I just have to learn how to hear him. I have to learn how to communicate with him. So that's what's in my control. I just got to get really good at that. That would be a simplification of, of the messy world that we live in is what if today or this week, my only focus is to improve my prayer. How much power would that actually give you to do anything? But that's coming back to a real power source, not on your own, all alone, you know, so that when you said, oh, power and abide, I was thinking like my life, I don't ever want to test being alone from God. I, I do inherently by decisions I make I, or have made, but it's not like I run right back. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, that, that's the most fearful. I would never like boast and say, here I go. Hey God, you'd sit this one out. Watch me go alone. Oh my gosh. That would be terrifying. <laughs> no kidding. But it's, uh, but it's amazing. There are people that really do have a conflict of whether it was God that did it for him or it was, it, was it them? It's like, what does it matter? It like it matter. should be us. We did it on everything you do in this life. And so then I think, well, what's the scriptures really for? Well, the first thing it's supposed to do is connect you to God's mind, right? So if I'm communicating with God and I'm trying to develop an ear to hear, the best training to develop an ear to hear is to, to read this Holy Scriptures where it is his mind and will and you understand it, who he is, how he would speak to you, what good things he would probably want to tell you. But, but it's, it, that's not hearing him. It's, it, it is preparation to what he's said before. And if you read, if you read all my journals, you would know probably what I would say in this situation, but it's still not the same as then praying and hearing him then through this. Now, if the word comes to you as it was in scripture, perfect. But you can that's how you develop this relationship of hearing him yeah. is through the Holy scriptures. And so then we, then we can't, decouple the two yeah i think you developed the 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 fluency in the language yeah of how he speaks yeah yeah yeah. it becomes second nature like you yeah there's no two different voices it's all one because you just know and then and then it kind of evolves from there at least has for my life like the scriptures i can't decouple from prayer Mm -hmm. because it's it's all kind of the same purpose of connecting with god and hearing him but I'm communicating. So I have questions when I read my scriptures for communication, I'm asking and doing things in my prayer to receive communication. But then it goes in beyond that to where I had a mission president who never said, amen. He never said in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. in his morning prayer because he wanted to have a continual conversation throughout the day. That's how he viewed it. So at night, when he'd say his prayer, he'd say in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, because he was done with that communication sure. for the day and was going to go to bed. Has a prayer in his heart always. Yeah, exactly. 
So for me, it was like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of like set me back a little bit. Okay. I like that. Now he didn't need to do that to, you don't have to do that if you're going to do this, but sometimes we have to tell, do certain things a certain way and be okay with that. Be okay with being a little bit different in how your approach is to that. If it comes from a place of a why he was doing it to tell his physical mind and self that he wasn't done with the conversation. And that was the way he felt like it would tell himself that it's still going. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfect for everybody else to stop saying in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, in their morning prayers, just because it was like a checklist or a little detail. And that's what happens. We do a lot of things because it's in the, it's like the written order of things, but not really the why Mm -hmm. maybe the law versus the spirit of the law. Um, We lose a lot. So that's the complexity. The simplicity is I want to know God I want to know what he has in store for me. I want to, I want to view myself and others as God views myself, as God views me and others. I think it's the wind outside now. Is it, was it windy when you got here? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's been. So, so I want to communicate and know God on this, in this life, that is my primary first and foremost important thing. Then I want to know his will. So I want to know God. I want to, I want him to, I want to view myself as he views me and I want to view, view others as he views them. So that would be a huge like goal purpose of us being here. And then I want to know how I can help him in his work. So that is me going back to live with him again. Right. So then that's missionary work. That's temple work. That's family history. That's charity. Right. All that's developed in a very simplistic way. I want to, I want to know God, who he is. I want to know how he views me and how he views others. And then I want to do his work, Mm -hmm. do what he's trying to accomplish here on earth. And his work is not limited to temple family history, missionary work. It's, it's everything. It's everything. It's how we view, how we look at people is bring is fulfilling that role and mission. Mm-hmm. So really simple. And it's a simple baseline because if you do that, when you're at work and you're helping people and you view and you're picking up people and you're working hard because you want to add value because that's what you said you were going to do and that's what you're getting paid to do. And so you work hard to be honest in your daily do thing. So you're going to be promoted. You're going to have success in that. But we overcomplicate everything into like do this and then do that and then do this and then do that. We lose all the why and we lose all the real grounding meaning to any of it. If I know how he views me, I'm going to have confidence in things I do in life. I'm going to be okay with my imperfections because I know the savior and he sent his son and I'm, I'm learning him and what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And I can forgive others because I know that's part of all of our journey. So I see them as I see myself and it just simplifies a lot of things. And I think it all comes back to how does it all begin? The simple basics of learning how to pray. Mm-hmm. That. That's the, that's how it all begins. That whole journey. 
you're trying to become one with God. When you, like the very beginning of all this, you talked about how we're critical. The way that we think, like it's just too many ingredients going on. We're making a mess. What I think is interesting is what you're saying is that when we connect and we do the simple starting with prayer, right? That the previous person that we're talking about is worried about change. They're trying to change. But the person that you're talking about, it's always just change, but you just don't worry about it. Right? You, 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 you never, you, you don't notice the change in the moment. And then a year later, you look back and you're like, wow, I've changed so much. Right? But in the moment, in the daily living, in the going about your life, you just did what you felt was right. And you didn't worry about, am I changing? You know, is my brain changing? Is my heart changing? All those things. Like you didn't worry about that. You just did the fundamental basics and the change is happening. You just trust God that it is. And then you just let time tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can control whether you pray today or not. It's a hundred percent in your control to have that community, that conversation, that communication. You can control whether you learn to hear him by studying the scriptures in the meaningful way of learning how to hear him. You can control the way that you treat others by the way that you begin to learn how to see them because that's your objective in all that we're doing is I'm not going to be overly critical to myself if the question I have is how do you view me? You're not going to, you're going to know how to act with other people if you are asking the question, how do you view them? And I see the similarity between how you view, he views you and them is the same. And so if you're fulfilling his role in that, all of a sudden what is in your control is right before you. It's your actions and what you do. And the conversations that you have with God and others to emulate the things that you're learning. And it, then know the Savior comes to fill all the gaps of you tripping and falling in that process. Mm-hmm. You know, of you emotionally reacting to that person or, uh, or not talking to that, you know, and then, but if we're doing this enough and if we're doing it with the real intent over time, you, he will give you that feeling of knowing how he views that person and it will help you self-correct and to repent and to acknowledge where your flaws are in that process. But it's really simple. It comes down to the charity piece. Charity is just the biggest you know, above all things, you have to have charity. Like if you do anything, love God and love your neighbor. I love, sometimes we fall in a trap of oversimplification, but so I, you definitely have to, you know, there's other things you can obviously do, but I think oversimplification in our world is so critical to get unstuck. It's how we, we stop and then we're able to move forward because we're not just spinning our tires doing the, the, these complicated things that maybe don't have any why behind them. It's just what we've been trained to think and do. Like, it's just so interesting like how the spirit works because the change, the change that happens in us is just a natural thing. Like it's, it's a result of our actions and our, and our intentionality in doing the right thing. Right. And, 
like just when you're saying that, like I think about two different things is, is in the most famous charity scripture of all, you know, Moroni 7 at the very end. Let me make sure I'm reading this right. It says that, it says to pray <laughs> that, we, that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath bestowed upon you, upon all who are true followers of the son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And so when I think about that, it's, he says to pray, God says to pray. And all these other things are just going to happen, right? It, all the other things aren't really in our control at all of us seeing him as he is. Like we can't choose to do that. All we can choose to do is pray and God takes care of the rest. Yeah. If you're intent, if, okay, so why am I praying? I'm, I, if we can just choose to con- communicate and connect with God and ask the, the, the goal of that is to know him, know who he is, which means how does he view me? What is he like? What is he not like? And then, so it be, it's, so I, there even prayer can have all so many different meanings for people. It's like, okay, can I erase it just for a second to say it's, if you every day can take the time in your own personal life to go into a room or a space and, and speak to God, like communicate with him and ask him questions, ask him the important questions, not the menial complexity of your life stuff. Ask him what really is the most powerful thing you can ask him. Who are you? How do you feel about me? How do you feel about others in my life? And I have these questions that I'm going to go to the scriptures to help learn how to hear you. How do I ask them the question? Are you there? Do you love me? Ask them the question. Um, how can I learn to hear you? And then go to the scriptures. Cause that's the best source for us to developing an ear to hear. And then then so now we're doing it all with purpose. It's not like just doing it. It's okay. I said my prayer. I asked my questions. I really love God. I, I want to love him more. I want to know who he is. And I'm going to go to the scriptures now and I'm going to try to hear him through what I'm going through in this life. And you just start opening it up with the questions that you may have. And you start going through and you're like, boom, you read that verse. It's like, wow. I'm, but not, I'm of the dust of the earth. Everything I rely on is God. God is my breath. He can taketh, he can giveth. Oh, I'm so grateful that he allows me to live and breathe. You know, <laughs> like, you, and then you read some more and you learn that he's patient and he's merciful and that he calls prophets of God wise so he can he can share his word and his message to the, what's the purpose? Oh, to bring me back home in his presence. Oh, he sent his son because he loves us so much. And because he knows we're faulted. Oh, so I don't have to be overly critical about myself. He knew we would be. That's why he sent his son. So I can just be grateful. And that's why I love the prophet, how he's so good at knowing what we need. Because we're so overly critical. He's like, you know what? Scratch that, guys. Just be grateful. 
learn to be grateful because when we learn of him and learn of the savior, learn the whole plan and like what it really means, we can't help but to be overjoyed. That's why it's called the good news. It is not something to beat ourselves up over. It's the good news. The fact that we can repent is the good news. <laughs> the fact that the Savior's there is so now that we are natural and we criticize ourselves, we can stop that whole chain and say, Wow, I'm so grateful that we have a Savior. And I'm so grateful to God that loved us enough to send him. And therefore, I can't wait to partake of the sacrament this Sunday because that's what he gave us also because he loves us. Mm-hmm. So that's what we learn. But it's those are just now we view all those things with that lens of love and gratitude. And it changes. Now we go into a room and we change the dynamic of the energy in that space because we're the we're the most grateful person that walked into that space. And the way that we look at someone say, man, you're so, you're, God loves you, man. You, you're unique and special. Now we start seeing potential and talents in others. And we're, now we're invested, not because we have to love our neighbor, not because, oh, better be kind. That's an attribute that I need <laughs> not to not gossip. Yeah. You see, like it just changes everything for me. That's why. You know, we can talk on and on about all these examples of how people get mixed up in the critical detail of, in the way that they, they view language, like prayer, for example, and how everyone can have a different feeling around that. Like, I, I can imagine a great reset with language in the millennium to where it's like, all of a sudden, in a moment's time, we all speak the same language again. And it's a different language than we've ever spoken before so that we understand the true meaning of the word because it's so diluted right now. I mean, something that's really awesome is sick. We're so jacked up with our language and the slang and the involvement of how things mean and what they mean. It's like, I can imagine that being a pretty critical (laughs) step in the process of us learning to really love one another and view and communicate more purely we'll probably have to have a language reset. So what are, what are the basic fundamental truths that should dictate, dictate someone's life that they don't feel stuck? They view the world the way that you're talking about. And if they just align themselves with those truths, then they don't need to worry. The question is, can you trust God who's all powerful and all knowing? And does he love you? The answer is yes, he loves you. Yes, he's all powerful and all knowing. There is no way humanly possible if you put your trust in him, you would ever be stuck. And if you happen to feel stuck, maybe he just wants you to stop and stand still for a second. And just love the idea that, well, there must be a purpose and that's higher because he will not make a mess of your life. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah, he will not make a mess of you. There's just, it's just not messy is when we don't do that. But I I think that's the the purest way to view it is he loves me enough to send his only begotten son to be crucified and the only perfect person to ever come to the earth. And he watched him and he left him and he drank the bitter cup 
that's how much he loves us. And he's not going to have, he's not going to do that and not part the Red Sea for those that believe. He's not going to do that and not provide all the miracles that we've seen or unseen that have been happening around us this whole time. Even the miracle within ourselves. So it's very simple. I always see it as you just don't trust God because if you did, what would you be worrying about? You'd just be praying more and reading the scriptures more and helping to understand so you can hear him, even hear why you need to stand still and know he's God, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, but it's all just right. There's nothing yeah. that's, there's nothing in this life. And here's the other perspective I think is super crucial. We're going to need the uh, repentance and the atonement. We're not going to escape the need for that. Whether we take it or not, that's up to us. And having said that, God promises that we will have all that he has. We won't lack anything. Nothing. That's a pretty incredible promise to make to imperfect people falling all over the, this planet. That's how powerful his atoning sacrifice was that we'd still being messy would deserve all the father has. That's just, that is such mercy and grace and love. Yet we expect everyone to forget. We, we expect everyone to ask, tell us they're sorry for, for being mean to us. We expect everybody to apologize for all their imperfections in order for us to be nice to them. I'm not going to talk to them until they say they're sorry. Well, geez, if God played that, we would be screwed. No kidding. So that's why it's important to know God and know how he views me and how he views others, because that fixes a lot of the, what should I do in this moment? Well, how does God view them? Mm -hmm. He loves them. Did he sacrifice his son for them too? Absolutely. Does he promise them that he'll give them all that he has, even if it's the 11th hour? Yeah. So who am I to hold a grudge? Who am I to need an apology? Aren't we all beggars? Aren't we all beggars? Well, yes, indeed. Yep. And and so anyway, I those are kind of just some fundamental yeah. truths of how could I actually be stuck if the most the all-powerful, all-knowing who wants uh, me to do his work and wants me to be successful and have joy, how, why would he just leave me here mm-hmm. if it wasn't for a reason? Okay, okay, now I just need to find the reason instead of hoping to just be out of it. Yeah. So if you guys are listening to this, like everything that he's saying is, it's just so interesting because as you say something, I'll just like remember something, right? And the thought that comes to my mind now is, is okay, just to illustrate what we're doing right now. Todd Bishop Stice is sitting here off the cuff, not reading anything, just answering the question that I asked off the top of his brain, right? Having experienced much of his life, which isn't that much, 40 years. It, it looks like I've experienced uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever, just barely got glasses. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, now I can, I can imagine there's some of you thinking, 
there, there's a bunch of you thinking he's the bishop he's inspired absolutely that's gonna god is inspiring him then there's a probably a small minority of you that are thinking okay how do i know that those are actually the fundamental truths how do i know like that's scripturally sound right or if he's just going off of his own opinion right now when you were talking this is what came to my mind which is like everything that we're talking about like you're talking about how trust in god does he love me and if that's true then we don't have to worry about how critical we are we don't have to worry about the change that's going to happen it's just going to happen over time right and so here's the scripture that is completely in line with everything that you're saying mosiah 4 chapter 4 9 through like a bunch but verse 9 says believe in god believe that he is and that he created all things both in heaven and earth believe that he has all wisdom and all power both in heaven and in earth believe that man doth not comprehend all things which the lord can comprehend and again believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them none of us are able to like you just said we can't the, the other perspective like we can't go without the atonement of jesus christ right believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before god and ask in sincerity and heart that he would forgive you okay and then going on i'm just going to skip a little bit i say unto you and as i've said before that as you have come to the knowledge of the glory of god as you get to know him and who he really is or if you have known his goodness and have tasted of his love and have received a remission of your sins which causes such an exceeding great joy in your souls even so that i should that you should remember and always retain a, a, rem, a remembrance the greatness of god and your own nothingness so like you just said as you come to better understand god you'll come to realize and for some reason you'll be so joyful to know that you're like the equivalent of dirt mm-hmm. doesn't make sense right You'll know your own nothingness and his goodness and long suffering towards you unworthy creatures and humble yourselves even in the depths of humility calling on his name the name of the lord daily and standing steadfastly in the faith which is to come now behold if you do this you shall always rejoice you'll be filled with the love of god and always retain a remission of your sins you shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you right and then now now how does this affect our external right all those things were internal how we think about ourselves how we view god how we view us as a human being then he goes on to say the external effects and you will not have a mind to injure one another but to live peaceably and to render to every man according to that which is his due you will not suffer your children to go hungry or naked naked neither will you suffer that they transgress the laws of god you'll not fight you won't quarrel with anyone you won't serve the devil you won't be a master of sin any of those things um but you will teach this is talking about your children the people around you'll teach them to walk in the ways of truth and soberness you'll do missionary work you'll do family history you'll do the work of god you will teach them to love one another and to serve one another and the last verse here and also ye yourselves will succor those that stand in need of your succor you will administer of your substance unto him that standeth in need and ye will not suffer that the beggar putteth up his petition to you in vain and turn him out to perish and perhaps you might say well he did it to himself right that's what it goes on to say then it says but for behold are we all not beggars thank you for adding that in there um sometimes i don't i i I don't even think that like just go read the scriptures you know you'll 
it's such a part of my th- daily thinking process and I'm always trying to take scripture and teach it to you know company policy and procedure if you know what I mean <laughs> oh yeah so I've I've had to rely on my ability to just like understand the concepts and the principles so that I can apply them to anything it makes you a little bit more flexible and nimble but it does come from a source of how I've come to know life and what it is. And it's always been the good old friend, the book of Mormon and the Bible and the conference talks and the DNC, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I really, um, enjoy conversations about it because, because it, you can see like how people resonate with truth and what, especially if they can be delivered in multiple ways. Like, you know, sometimes people have a hard time. I know children, sometimes you can read the scriptures or like, but it's sometimes it's just, you know, you got to be able to be nimble with the scriptures. If you really want to, I like being backed up by the scriptures. I really appreciate like you just taking the time to, to narrow down really the message. I think a lot of, uh, you know, just King Benjamin and, like all, just anything that he had to say is, was pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. The, the being mentally flexible to then see God's hand from that, the earth, the day, the relationships, and really totally be able to, like I used to do a thing on the mission where I used to have my companion throw anything out. He'd say B, or he'd say window. He'd say anything, and I would create a gospel analogy around that one thing mm-hmm. that would help me become more mentally flexible to apply the scriptures to anything. Because I figured it would make me a better teacher of the gospel because I could, someone could be a beekeeper, and I'd be like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> be a little bit more ready and ready to shoot. But Elder Wong had us do the same exact thing. Really. Not even kidding. Wow, that's interesting. We had an MLC. He went and did zone conferences and he would literally write up random words on the board and then he would have 10 missionaries come up because he wrote 10 words like completely random. Like he'd say like your left toenail. Like he would be so random and he'd say, okay, apply this to the gospel. Yeah, no, it's such a good exercise. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool that he would have his whole... I, I imagine that's exactly what I would do, you know, I, because it helps so much. It was fun and we get a lot worse words than left toenail, but <laughs> you know, cause you know, your companions are trying to throw you off a oh, little yeah, bit, sure. trying to get it stretch you and you get, you just get to where you're, I used to be even way better when I was in the mm-hmm. active process of doing that. But of course, but it, it, it really helps when you're teaching children yeah. Because then it becomes more natural. You can be on a hillside and see a flower or see something and say, you know, see that over there? That's like, yep. you know, so people can, hey, that's, that might be a challenge to some of them listening, you know? Yeah. Look around, pick three objects around you and then how yeah. does it relate? Yeah. It's not that you need backing up. It's just... It's just so interesting because like everything you're saying is like abiding in me and I, and I abide in you. That scripture says 
and my words will abide in you, right? And these are like just things that I picked up on the mission in personal study, but abide in me in the topical guide, when you click on it, it says problem solving, right? And like when I think about how his words will abide in you, like it's not that, like it's just, it's just amazing that, that how it seems like God speaks one language, right? And how somehow you can be just, it just comes. Like you said, the spiritual flexibility, like you can just share the doctrine. You can share it from off the top of your mind. And yet it's you, right? It is God, absolutely. But it's become who you are. It's That's been a goal of mine in my life is to be able to speak, not scripture. I don't choose to speak scripture, but where my mind, my thoughts are really synced up. This has been another episode of the Principles of Podcast. My name is Christian Hill and my co-host Todd Stice. We are so grateful that you were able to tune in to this show and hopefully it was a revelatory experience for you to learn how you can better trust God with the details of your life. On next episode, we're gonna cover a topic that some of you maybe are very familiar with but you're unwilling to share it with other people, the secrets of your life that are keeping you in this double standard life. You're living two different lives, one life in the public eye and one life behind closed doors. We're gonna talk about emotional resilience, self-reliance and addiction recovery. We promise you, whatever that addiction may be, It can be something that you can overcome in this life, no matter how impossible you might think that is. We promise you that you can overcome it. So stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to have a special guest. His name is Tito, and I love Tito. Thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we hope that you listen to next week's episode, and we will see you next time.